Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another um, SACPA live streaming session over YouTube. Um, SACPA acknowledges that this event takes place on the lands of the Blackfoot people and the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3. And we pay respects to their past, present and future cultural heritage beliefs and relationships to the land. Um, SACPA is also very thankful for the continuing support we receive from the University of Lethbridge, Shaw Spotlight and the Lethbridge Herald. Today, we're honored to have with us Paul Hinman, interim leader of the Wild Rose Independence Party. Paul has been serving the people of Alberta for over 15 years as an MLA or political advisor. Paul's, Paul Hammond's vision, mission rather, has always been to get Alberta's house in order by advancing good governance through principled policies. Hinman was elected to his first term as a member of the Alberta Legislative Assembly representing the Alberta Alliance Party in the constitution, constituency of Cardston, Cardston, Tabor and Warner, serving from 2004 to 2008. He later served as an MLA for Calgary Glenmore from 2009 to 2012, representing the Wild Rose Party. Paul, thank you very much for joining SACPA today and we look forward to your presentation. Oh, well, thank you, Annalise. It's a, a pleasure to be here back at SACPA again, and, and it's always enjoyable to, to meet with a diverse group of individuals that are excited about good governance, that, that they come together to be educated, to learn, uh, and to explore, so that we as a society, as a community, as a, as a country can do better, and, and to basically, in my opinion, be a, a light to the world. And when, when you look around the world, and what I really want to talk about today um, is, is about the, the, the role of government, the proper role of government, which also reminds me, Annalise, I need to say that uh, I, I'm, I'm currently not the interim leader. Uh, I stepped down because the, the Wild Rose Independence Party is open for nominations now for a, for a leadership election. Um, I'm going around and speaking with people and uh, hope that people will uh, support me in my bid for leadership as an elected uh, leader for the members of the Wild Rose Independence Party. But sorry for that, that change and that nuance from when you invited me to come on here. But anyway, so let, let's go back and I find, and especially because I'm dealing with the, the members of SACPA and, and people interested you know, in, in improving our lot in life and our government and the way we conduct our, our lives amongst ourselves is, is the question is, is what is the proper role of government? And to me, the second question after that uh, comes is that government, you know, which come first, the chicken or the egg? Which is first? Did government come first or do, do the people come first? And, and for me, there's no question that the very reason and purpose of government is because of the people and the individual. And you look around the world and basically we're organized into countries around the world and places where, uh, I guess I want to say very remote areas, um, they, they don't even, some of those places don't really even know or recognize what country they live in, but they belong to a tribe then and they have communal living and they, they set up their rules, their laws, and they abide by it. And they usually have someone at the top of that system that um, is there to aid governance. And so going back, what is the proper role of government? For, for me, it, it goes that the, the 
first and foremost proper role of government is to actually protect the individuals on which they're being governed by. And, and so the question is, is, is okay, what, what do we protect? Uh, for me, historically, and you look back, you, we protect the, the lives of those individuals. We protect their freedoms of those individuals, and we protect the property of those individuals and their pursuit of happiness. And I want to go back, and one of my favorite uh, historical writers is Frederick Bastiat. Um, and going off of John Locke or Adam Smith with the Wealth of Nations, uh, to me, they were very profound, forward-thinking individuals that really understood a lot of this. And Bastiat, um, in his, his writings, he, he talks uh, about the rule of law and this idea and, and our individual freedoms, our individual rights, and, and where did they come from? And for, for me, I, I'm a Christian, and I believe that, that life and, and my, my agency and my right to choose has come from a higher power, and it certainly didn't come because I was born inside of Alberta, inside of Canada, uh, in this world that we know, and my life didn't come from the Canadian government, and my freedoms did not come from the Canadian government. And I believe that each of us as individuals have those inherent rights and freedoms. And so then we look back and we can see, you know, where, where again, we, we, we here in Alberta, and I don't know how many, I'm a fifth generation Alberta, and, and we could call this the Wild West. Uh, when it first started, uh, things were kind of wild and hectic, and you might say that it goes back to historically where there is no governance or rule or law, is might is right. And he who is mightiest or the, the, the tribe that's largest, uh, most powerful, gets to decide the rules of the land and and there they, they rule and so the the question is 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 that right is might right and do we allow that or do we come together form a government form the rule of law and we do that for me on the basis of a constitution and i'm very uh, proud of the first line of our canadian constitution and where it says is that we recognize the supremacy of god and the rule of law and i think that that is critical that we need to recognize those two things and so inside that constitution we need to protect those individuals the life the liberty the property and their pursuit of happiness but therein right now we have some flaws and, and some problems and i want to talk a little bit about that uh, again for me, when you look at the individual, that individual, again, going back, uh, following Bastiat and, and his treatise on the law, which I, I quite like, really feel that we should be teaching our students that uh, essay in grade six, grade nine, and grade 12 as we mature and understand it better. But he, he talks very much that individuals have the right to defend their life. They have the right to defend their property, and they have the right to defend their freedom and their pursuit of happiness. And because we have that right, we actually have the right to use force. And this is the problem in the world is, is because force or power, uh, again, the old saying, you know, uh, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so with that force that we as individuals have to protect ourselves, we can come together collectively and say, well, this is really tough uh, having to worry and protect our property all the time. And so what we'd like to do, let's get together and let's hire that, that tough individual over there who's uh, really good at it. 
and we can go about doing and again i'm going to go back to the early days we can go back to doing our our farming and look after our cattle and uh, do all those things and we have the sheriff in town that, that is going to make sure that there's no thugs or gangs that show up and plunder and take away um, our, our product or worse than that kidnap and take away people as slaves and so the question goes back for me is as individuals if we have that right to protect ourselves we then collectively have that right to give that to the, the authority or the, the judicial system of the law keepers to collectively look after our individual rights. But then something strange happens when power starts to be collected. And there's often this idea that, that well, all of a sudden that individual or that source of power, uh, whether it's the government, the cabinet, now says, well, no, we, we, we actually have this right because what we're going to do is that we think this business or these group of people are wrong and, and we're not going to allow them to exist or practice what they want to do. But for me, the question goes back to the test is, is where do our individual rights end? And I've always said that our individual rights ends when it hurts another individual, for example, physically. We have the right to move out, do, and carry on our business, but we don't have the right to uh, someone that, that we're competing with to go over and pummel and beat up and say, you know, we don't want you uh, competing with us anymore. You need to get out of town. Our rights end there. And so collectively, it, it's the same, is that when someone is hurting someone else, we need that equality before the law, the judicial system. And when that's happened, then we can have recourse through the courts uh, to get compensation for those things. But what happens far too often is that you get a majority of people and they decide that they actually want to impose something on other people, whether it's their belief, uh, whether it's their way of life. I'll, I'll use the example, excuse me, being here in Southern Alberta and, and a rancher and a farmer, feedlot operator previously, is that I, I'm a beef eater but have members in my family that are vegetarians and we can get along fine. We accommodate one another and, and we don't need to impose. The one doesn't need to say, well, you can't eat beef anymore. And I don't need to say you, you have to eat beef now. And, and th th these are the problems that we s struggle with in society when people decide that, that they're, they're the ones in charge and might is right. And we very much see this with government and wanting to impose policies and we're really struggling with that here in Alberta with the federal policies that are coming out from Ottawa and what they're doing. Um, a lot of people and a hot button is always equalization and how bad that is. Um, I, I think that the, the problem is much bigger than equalization and, and that's just the, the political hot button that people love to use in order to get people charged up and, and to come to their side of the, of the debate or the battle. Uh, but in reality, the real problem is, is, is going back to taxation and, and the proper role of government again and where that taxation is. And I'll come back to equalization a little bit later and, and why I, I call this the, the tyranny of the majority. But so going back again to this idea of individual rights and that power or that authority to use force to defend ourselves being transferred to our government and then that force being used, but is it being used to defend, defend the individual or not? And then Bastiat talks a lot about if, if we're going to allow plunder, 
um, who are we going to allow to do that? Uh, if we have a, an individual at the top, a lot of people say, and historically you'll see groups of people when they're, um, I guess, forming a new group and they've divided, what they often want to do is to elect a king. Uh, they, they want a king or sometimes a, a dictator, you might call it. But historically, we, we see that that hasn't worked so well for those individuals because even an original benevolent king, um, unfortunately, they have children and grandchildren or they have other people that want that position. And uh, usually uh, evil wants to have that power and control over other people. And that's what usually is attracted to power more than anything else is corrupt and evil individuals who want to exercise that power over us. And so it goes back to that that basic precept of does a government with its collective power to defend our rights have any more rights than an individual has to protect their rights and myself i can't go up and down the street or in my neighborhood and say oh i i want to uh, put up a windmill on my property i think it's good for the world and everything else and i need you to give me a hundred dollars so that i can do that as an individual we can't do that but yet we have government saying that, oh, um, we need to put up a windmill or we need to shut down this industry. And they take the, the, the money that's been collected through taxes and they refocus it. I, I love Premier Klein and his old saying, government has no business being in business. And it goes back to the question, what is the proper role of governance, of government? And for me, that, that's to provide a, a, a judicial system, not a legal system, a judicial system that sees and treats all people equally. And when harm has been done, it does what it can through, to, for people to be, that, that damage to be repaired wherever possible. But we really got this problem, especially here in Alberta, inside Canada, of what I call the imbalance of power and those in power wanting to impose their way of life. And even if it's a hypocritical way of life on other regions. And I want to go back or jump into equalization now for a few minutes uh, because our premier has said that this fall we're going to have a referendum on whether or not uh, equalization is a good thing and we want to remain part of it. And I, I want to refer back and ask this question, is the redistribution of money correct? And one of the problems that we have, and even like I say, if you were to to end equalization, which again, I think it was wrong and, and shouldn't have been in the constitution, uh, that this is a, the flaw and where might is right. And where I always say the Canadian constitution that we have now is a divisive one. It's not one that brings us together. It's actually one that separates us. And the way that it does this is might is right. Uh, if seven provinces uh, choose to, to uh, tax or plunder five other provinces, um, under our constitution, it's okay. Uh, majority rules, tyranny of the majority. And we, we see this over and over again. And I often refer to it and say, you know, the seven wolves can vote to eat the, the lamb of the five sheep. And it's perfectly legal because they're in the majority. And part of the problem with this majority, and again, we've seen it in spades uh, this last week, is with the federal government and its 700 plus billion dollar budget, its 354 billion dollar deficit. Um, does government have a right to, to spend money it doesn't have any more than an individual does? 
And again, it goes back to my basic question earlier, what is the proper role of government? And to me, it's not about taxing the people and then redistributing that because it doesn't think things are fair or is trying to buy votes in one region over another. And so going back to the critical issue of a constitution, to me, there's two things that a constitution needs to do. Number one is to protect the individual. But number two, it's about restricting the size and scope of government. And we have very little, if anything, in our constitution to do that. And so I want to go back to the first thing that I think when it comes to restricting the size of government is that we need to have a tax freedom day. We have nothing in our constitution to say where the limit is on how far a taxation system can go or how large it can get. And I don't know if uh, all of you agree with me, but I think it's completely out of control. Our tax freedom day, you know, isn't until late June. Um, and I don't know that that's all inclusive, uh, you know, but over 50% of the fruits of our labor uh, is sent to our government, which then is supposed to provide for us. And this is a real problem because the biggest part of that is, is that those in the majority can vote and say, well, we want all of these perks. We want all of these things to happen and they can vote for these policies that are divisive, but to their advantage. And so again, uh, I just can't emphasize enough that, that we need to restrict the size, the scope and the growth of government. And one of the ways that you would do that in a constitution is to say that, you know, March 1st is tax freedom day or 25% is the accumulated tax, the max that, that you could tax any individual corporation or entity. And that then would limit the size of government because that's all that it can take and then the government's job is to prioritize how it wants to spend that money and what are the fundamental functions of government, like policing, um, our public infrastructure. Uh, we have many things, you know, that, that our health care, our education, our senior care, much of that's in the public. But is it is it the number one in the priority of the government? I would argue that if you look at the current federal budget and the hundreds of billions of dollars that's being spent, uh, not a lot of that is going to what we would call frontline services and those things that we um, as Canadians or Albertans want or need. And instead, it's being diverted to many other uh, what I call political slush funds to buy votes, uh, hopefully to get reelected and to, contain, to continue to hold that mantle of power. And so this is the question again. What is the proper role of government? And so number one, protect us as individuals. Number two is, is to restrict the size and scope of government. Another problem though with our constitution and with our governing system is that once a, an individual and a party is elected and they have, uh, I wanna say the majority in there, it's pretty difficult to change things. Uh, back in 2008, I brought forward Bill 208, um, or no, what was it, Bill 8? Sorry, Bill 8 in 2008. And that bill was about accountability of elected people. And this is the second problem with government is, is the size needs to be limited, but its power um, needs to be back always residing with the people. And the only way you can do that is with recall. 
Um, our premier promised recall legislation it took them a long time to, to get roll it out. And I would have to say that it's an absolute insult to the citizens, his recall legislation, that, that it just it is pretty much insurmountable to be effective. And that'll be another day when I can talk on what I think is effective uh, recall that ensures that the power resides with the people 24-7 and not just two years out of four years or you just get to try once, um, swing once and you're out, and then that person gets to stay at the plate uh, till their term is up. But anyways, uh, very, very disappointed in the recall legislation that our premier brought forward, hasn't been voted on yet, and I hope the MLAs will make some amendments to make it actually uh, functional for the people so we can control government. But the worst thing is, is government gets in there, they have a policy, and, and then they, impose it on the people here in alberta we're uh, our, our major number one industry is oil and gas yet we have a prime minister who has very much said over the years we want to shut that down that it's evil that it's bad and yet they think nothing of, of buying oil and gas from places in the world where they don't have the environmental standards they don't have the labor standards they don't have the human rights standards that we here in alberta are a beacon to the world i mean we are we perfect? Absolutely not. But we do a remarkably good job. Uh, we have uh, people in the industry that are very innovative at, at looking how to make things better. And what the Alberta uh, really has to offer to the world, I want to say, is the most, most ethical hydrocarbons in the world. And when you look at the good that the, the the revenue has come from that for individual wealth, for provincial and for the federal government, um, it has been wonderful, but the question is, is have we used it well? And I would argue that no, we, we really haven't. And so going back to, to this proper role of government and, and how important it is in our lives it is critical. My, my grandfather, who uh, kind of got me into politics and says, Paul, there's three things you need to be involved in, is number one, your family, number two, your community, often that's your church, and then number three is, is your government, because all three are very important uh, in our lives and how we go forward. And so it's been a lifelong pursuit of mine, it is the proper role of government, uh, from the ripe old age of 14, I started going to uh, uh, annual general meetings and, and being involved in policy development and what we can do to have the best policies to allow people to, to reach their full potential. And I, I've certainly come to the conclusion that the most important thing that we can have is our maximum freedom as individuals and businesses to, to go out, to, to be innovative, to be hardworking, and, and to be that entrepreneur that comes up with this new innovative idea that is second to none, that improves all of our lives. And yet that those freedoms are, are not there. The, the government's rules and regulations um, are incredible. We, we see over and over again governments coming in and say, oh, we're going to reduce red tape by 30%. Um, it's a commitment uh, from this government. Uh, they say they've done lots, but the individuals that I know that are struggling with the rules and regulations uh, are, are still struggling with them. And they, they seem to do it at a, at a level that, that isn't meaningful at the front line. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about frontline and how important that is, is because another one of the problems with government is that it's big government and it's central government. 
and, and central government has has never worked anywhere. One size doesn't uh, fit all, but yet that's what people in power like to do. Um, we, we currently are living in a, a crisis situation with COVID and we have a government that, that wants to impose one size fits all and it's not good. Uh, our premier back last December has said that, you know, it's wrong for government to pick winners and losers, but yet that's what this government has done. And again, what can we as the people do about this, but, but get along to try and go along, but yet we've had individuals like uh, Pastor uh, James Coates, who's been uh, put in jail. Uh, they put fences up around his facility and, and, you know, the question is, is do we have freedom of assembly? Do we have freedom of speech? Do we have freedom of religion, freedom of conscience, or don't we? Were those people doing harm? Um, again, I, I just can't believe the draconian measures that governments around the world, but more important right here in Alberta, are, are taking and saying that everybody has to shut down. Um, the Great Barrington Declaration is very specific. And, and again, the, the, the proper role of the judicial system or anything else is to focus on the individuals with problems. And there are hotspots, there are areas where we need to focus that protection. But there's many areas that the problem doesn't exist. And again, I look federally and, and the, it, it, it's just a joke, but it's serious, is how when we know there's hotspots in the world, we allow and say, oh, they need to have freedom of access. And, and someone from some of these hotspots in the world are free to come and go back here into Canada, but yet uh, we're told that we can't even go see our children or our grandchildren, though we know both are healthy. Uh, I'll go back to last December. You know, we were shut down for two weeks before Christmas. That, that's a quarantine isolation time. There was no reason after that two-week shutdown that we couldn't have got together as family, friends, community, religion, for church and to worship and to have fun and enjoy one another, to sing in choirs. But yet the premier saw fit to say we need to do it for six weeks. And so you have to ask the question, what is the real goal? What is the purpose that they're trying to achieve here? And why are they doing what they're doing? And for me, it, it continues to point to this Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, and this idea of bigger government. It's not big enough that we have it here in Alberta or in Canada. We now need to go to the world level because we need more power, more control over individuals' lives. And I just say that this is wrong. But Annalise, are we down to five minutes? Or? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, th thank you. I can't believe how fast time flies here, but I need to wet my lips here for a second. That when I look at our position in the world, I find it very exciting. Um, we, we just have so much here in Alberta. I mean, the land, the mountains, the, the universities, our, our health care, uh, you know, the, the hospitals we have, the educated people, right, from our doctors to our engineers to our tradespeople. We have so much here in Alberta, but yet we have so many shackles, so many balls and chains on what we can and we can't do. Um, I believe in the free market. I, I believe in government's role as a referee on the playing field. These oligarchies are not in our best interest, uh, but they are important that, that we have a judicial system, that, that people have this uh, individual protection and this right to work, this right to make a living, this right to freedom of movement, freedom of association. 
These are critical issues. And when we see what's going on now, I, I, I'm just appalled at how far we have declined in the last year, the last five years. Uh, when we look at the deficits, when we look at the role of what government is doing and playing in our lives, in our businesses, in our communities, this is wrong. And I believe that we, the people, need to take it back. We need to elect individuals that are there to protect our individual rights. We need to elect individuals that understand the proper role of government to, to see that might isn't right and that, that we need to have respect and responsibility as, as individuals, that we need to have freedom, we need to have fairness. But it, it's about maximum freedom and that opportunity to exercise that freedom. It's it just like I say, it's astounding to me when, when we look at the progress and the opportunities that we have in the world, and yet we're, we're so stifled right now from big government that, that wants to control and run our, our individual lives, let alone what businesses we can and we can't uh, be part of. And so, um, how, how many minutes do I have left here? <laughs> I don't have I don't have a clock to, to wrap up. I'm used to in the three minutes. Okay. Well, like, like I say, for me, it's exciting. I never thought that I'd be back involved in politics. I was very excited when Premier Kenny got elected. I thought, wow, here's an individual that understands the importance of freedom, understands that we need small government, we need lower taxes, we need a judicial system that's working and protecting the individual, and. Again, with my, my, my greatest expectations has become my greatest disappointment. Uh, that, that focus and that protection of the individual is lost. Those freedoms are lost. Our judicial system, I, I mean, Pastor Coates can't even get before the, 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 the judges. And they've told, you know, that, that the government doesn't need to have proof of evidence on, on what they're doing to us. Uh, when our constitution very much says it needs to be demonstrably justified, which, which means that it, it needs to be obvious. And it's obvious that this is an abuse of power. It's destroying lives. The individuals that I know that have had suicides in their family, that they've lost their businesses, um, it, it's just unbelievable. And the biggest problem that we have is as Ralph would say, the unintended consequences. We're not looking at them and we need to. But I really hope that you'll go to our website, wildrose.party, to, to see what the Wild Rose Party is about. Please go to my website, paulhinman.com, and, and to check out my, my bid for leadership of the Wild Rose Independence Party. But what we need is, is to be free. We need to be sovereign and ask that question, you know, if we were looking and, and wanting to find a partner today, would we look at the Canadian Constitution and the individuals and the way it's being run and say, wow, this is, this is a great uh, opportunity that, that we can be together. It wasn't that long ago that Newfoundland joined our confederation, um, but it's broken, it's dysfunctional, and we need to do something about it. And that's what the Wild Rose Independence Party is all about. So hope that you'll come uh, to our website and look at that. And I think that our, our time is up, and so we'll go from there to answer some questions. But thanks very much for the opportunity to be here today and to discuss the importance of the role of government and why the Wild Rose Independence Party is here for the citizens of Alberta. Thank you, Paul. And we'll just jump right into the questions. I think this question came in pretty early and it related to to what you were saying at the time. Isn't that, and then in brackets, imposing exactly what you're doing through 
though by seeking to create an Alberta, Consti Alberta constitution based on the recognition of a Christian God. Hard to treat people equal with misrepresentation. Would you like to comment on that? Absolutely. You know that I, I've had this discussion with many individuals and, and it goes back to this question is, is whether you want to call it a God, a positive and negative force in the universe. The question is, is where do we get our individual rights from? Does that come from the government or are we born with those inalienable rights? And so if you say that, that there isn't a higher power or a higher authority, then what you're saying, in my understanding, is is that no government is that higher authority. They're the ones who decide whether your life is worth having on this uh, in our group or not. And and again, nowhere have I ever said that that we need to impose whether it's Muslim, Christianity, Judaism, um, Buddhism. We, we can live amongst ourselves, and people do peacefully. It's those people with that they're in the position of power and want more power that, that turn groups against each other. But under the rule of law, where we have those freedoms, we can all go and worship how, where, and what we want to, so long as we're not hurting other individuals. So no, my intent is not to impose uh, one religion over another. It's freedom of religion. Um, and some people say freedom of religion. And, and again, go ahead and live your life the way you want to. But one of the universal things around the world is what we call the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. And again, that goes back to the basic individual's rights. And I just think that it's critical. And we need to recognize that, that our rights come from a higher authority, not from the government government or from the majority of the people but i hope that answers your question or maybe i need to clarify more if that didn't okay our next question comes from timothy uh who is the reporter at the leftbridge held uh, there seems to be a thin segment of alberta which wants to separate from canada with a lot of different independence parties seeking that narrow segment how can the wild rose stand out over the others? Well, you know, like any competition or at the start of the season, you got all the players on the field and you kind of wonder, oh, who's going to win? Uh, who's going to be the top dog at the end of the season? And politics is no different. There's lots of competition. Competition is good. Uh, I think you need to look at the teams, look who's uh, coming together, who's drafted and who's come in there. But more important, what are the rules that each of these different teams want to play or these different sports. And, and I think that if you go to the Wild Rose Independence Party website, wildrose.party, and again, it's not wildrose.com or .ca, it's wildrose.party, I think you'd be very pleased to, to see that we're focusing on the individuals and protecting those individual rights, not wanting to impose anything. And maximum freedom is where we, we get those, the you know, the great world that we live in. You just go to any of those draconian uh, uh, dictatorships, uh, communist countries, uh, life is not good where the government has the heavy hand to control our lives and what we want to do as individuals. Our next question comes from Trevor Page. What is your party's policy on climate change? And secondly, on immigration? Okay, well, e excellent. Well, um, 
Boy, when you say our party's policy, again, I, sh I should go back and read it for you, but the, the bottom line is is that uh, the this world that we have is critical that we look after it. We want to have clean air, we want to have clean land, and we certainly want to have clean water. And our, our policies are, are such to protect those. Uh, the question is, 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 you know, is anthropogenic CO2 the, the problem that, that uh, so many are purporting or are hydrocarbons a, a blessing? There's always pros and cons to everything, but there's no question the miracle of hydrocarbons and the blessing that it produces for the world is second to none. I, I've often said that if we wanted to do anything to help those developing countries is what we should be having is portable propane bottles. Uh, where they can go and get refilled and have that fuel and that energy in order to improve their lives. And I, I think, well, climate change is real, but the solutions that are being put out by Paris Accord and our Prime Minister and our Premier are, are not solutions. These are backward steps that is doing more harm to humanity and causing more problems. But absolutely, we, we want to have uh, strong environmental laws to protect like I say, our, our land, our air, and our water are critical, and we will have good policies. And again, I think Alberta is leading in those fields now, and will continue to lead. Okay, and the second part of that question was regarding immigration. Oh, yeah, th thank you. Um, you know, we, we've completely lost control of immigration. And again, when you go back to the, the supposedly role of the UN was in order to protect people in the countries where they lived. And we weren't going to allow atrocities anywhere in the world to go on. And I, I just think the UN is a broken, dysfunctional system with a lot of corruption in there. And they're, they're not uh, protecting people in their homeland. And it's far easier to actually protect people there. But for what we need for immigration is to go back to the original, uh, I want to say, intent going years back to where you, you actually have sponsorship, where families can sponsor families to come over where businesses are in need and they can sponsor it. But these open borders and, and the hundreds of thousands of people that are coming in and Trudeau wanting more people in than we've ever had before, um, it, it's going to collapse our system. We, we talk about collapsing our health care. Um, my goodness, the, the, the current immigration policy, the, the just open borders and then people crossing from the U.S., which is a free state and being able to come into our country is wrong and we need to control the numbers and have people actually sponsor and, and people that can come and contribute and be part of our, our, our wonderful society. Our next question comes from Belinda Croson. Uh, if you don't believe central governments work, would you commit to giving cities and municipalities more power as we are truly the ones closest to the people? Well, uh, thank you for that question. And I, I actually want to turn government upside down. And I agree that the best government is the closest government. But it goes back to the same principles. We need to have a constitution that, that doesn't allow the tyranny of the majority. Uh, we, we, we can often see just because it's local, the problems of local government, but again, there's no recall and accountability to stop them. There's no limit on the taxation. Uh, thankfully, at least at municipal levels, they have to balance their budget. And if they fail to, then they, they have to increase the taxes the next year. And that should certainly be the case at the provincial and the federal area. But when it comes to, to charter cities or charter areas, no, I think that you need to have a, a constitution that uh, is actually level across the entire country 
Um, I would like to see a sovereign Alberta. That's what my goal is. But you, you can't have that, that centralized power locally or um, at the federal level. It, it needs to be in a constitution, but I would like to see, and again, I didn't, I ran out of time to talk on taxation and the equalization, but I actually believe that the taxation should all be collected locally. Um, the local needs uh, are met and then it's sent on. One of the biggest problems that we have is three levels of government that are all competing uh, for the vote of the people and, and want to say, oh, we're gonna start this, this new policy but we want the provincial or the municipal governments to buy in. And the question is, is what's the role of it? You know, municipalities are responsible for our clean water. Municipalities are responsible for our sewage. Um, they're, they're responsible, you know, I want to say for our, our healthcare system and what we have in our different municipalities. And the, the amount of money that's generated and actually stripped away from our communities is is just mind-boggling and people aren't aware of that and so if you have an open tax system where we actually see the dollars that are being stripped away out of Lethbridge or out of some of our smaller communities I think many of you would be shocked and say I had no idea that that much money was leaving our community and so yes it should be meeting our community needs first then going on to the provincial level and the federal level but we need to determine inside our constitution what each role of each of those areas are and then like a business if 40% of the role of government is municipal is municipal then 40% of the taxes should stay there if 20% is provincial then 20% should go there and then the other 40% would go to the federal but we, we need to redefine that. I, I'm very excited about the opportunities that we can do that by flipping it upside down and in its communities first. Um, and uh, I look forward to talking more about that as the campaign goes on. Our next question comes from Knut Peterson. Do you see Alberta attempting to become the 51st state in, the southern, in our southern neighbors, the US of A? if this province decides to leave Canada? Uh, personally, absolutely not. Um, why would we want to be a little fish in a little pond and go to a little fish in a, in a huge ocean? Uh, Alberta has the opportunity here to, to be a sovereign nation, I believe, because of the, the assets that we have here in the people, in the land, in, in uh, our, our mineral rights. We, we just have so many opportunities here, but yet we have government in the way. But uh, as far as wanting to become a part of the United States, and I see the troubles that they have down there, their, their constitution is not perfect either. And, and this is about Alberta becoming a, a sovereign nation, independent on its own, and, and actually leading the world when it comes to the rule of law, the protecting of the individual, and, and the freedom of business to, to provide, to improve the quality of lives of those individuals. Okay. Uh, just a comment to uh, the next question. That question's already been asked. It was asked by Trevor Page and it was answered. So I'll skip over that. Um, our next question comes from Lurie Schultz. As a Christian and representative of the Wild Rose Independence Party, do these beliefs reconcile with Matthew 25, 35-40? Feeding the hungry and quenching the thirst thirsty, sheltering and clothing, helping the sick, 
visiting the impoverished. And then she goes on as a second part to that question. As a question, you state the supremacy of God and the rule of law in the Constitution and belief individuals right to life, liberty, property and right to happiness is to be upheld. Well, absolutely. And that was a, a long question. But I have to say personally, uh, one of my biggest fears is, is uh, Matthew 25 uh, at the end there. Um, because the question is, is that when when did I not feed? Thee? When did I not um, close thee? When did I not visit you in prison? And, and the, the Savior at that point states that when you have done it to the least of these my my brethren you have done it unto me and every time i walk by somebody that, that that's struggling or having a problem i i can't help and wonder you know is is that jesus in a cloak waiting there and are we walking by um but, but that's an individual thing and one of our problems that we have in our society is this idea that individually we're not our brother's keepers that, oh, we pay our taxes, and that now becomes the government's responsibility. I, I think the government should be the last one that's responsible for that. And I think historically, if you look at communities, and you know whether it's our food bank, whether it's our shelters, all of that should be a, a locally provided there. Charity comes from the individual. It never comes from the government. We can't say in Matthew 25 that, oh, we, we did all those things. I paid my taxes. Uh, that, that, that's a pathetic excuse and a failure of the individuals. And so I, I believe, and again, one of the other things I would love to see is, is uh, to increase the, the, the tax deductions or the credits that you get by giving to credible uh, charitable um, organizations. Whether that's a woman's shelter, whether it's a food bank, uh, just this the, the shelter for the homeless. There's so many things that we could do so much better if, in fact, we, we looked at it just at a local level and, and the citizens actually felt responsible on, on that question, you know, who, who is our brother's keeper? But no, uh, like I say, personally, that, that's always been my, my biggest worry uh, when I've walked by somebody in need. Um, who, who really is that individual? And did I just fail a test as an individual and as a Christian? Um, but, but thanks for that question, Lori. Excellent one and something that we should all reflect on, on whose responsibility is that, the individual or the government? Should the government be taxing us and then saying that we're looking after them? I, I don't believe in that. I believe in charitable organizations that, that each different community meets the needs uh, of their citizens there. Our next question comes from Leona Jacobs. You talk a lot about respecting individual rights. However, humans are also social creatures. And as individuals, we live in close proximity to others. So where does responsibility towards others come into your thinking so those individual rights are also respected? Well, excellent question and thank you. Um, I, I said earlier that, that our individual rights end when we're hurting someone else. And, and there's a difference between hurting someone else or helping someone else. And it, it, it's very important that our judicial system, because uh, right now we have a legal system, lots of loopholes, and, and the individual uh, certainly suffers more often than not. It's those that have the highest uh, paid lawyer, uh, got the, the money to delay and wait that, that goes on. And when we look at our current system and people that are having uh, just huge impact because of the government's stance on, on COVID, 
yet they can't get their day in court. And so as, as individuals, we, we need to respect other individuals, but we don't need to impose our personal beliefs or, or, or morals on others. And I think that there's a, a, it's not even really a fine line. If you really ask that question or go back to the golden rule, do unto as others as you have others do unto you, if you want to impose something on someone else, what if all of a sudden they're the ones in power and they get to impose it on you? And I, I think there's a lot more room for us to recognize and respect our differences rather than want to impose them because we're the majority or have that opportunity. And, and I think that that balance can be reached if we have a judicial system where people have access to it and when they've been harmed, that they actually get that compensation back. Because right now, individuals usually uh, suffer twice, once from the perpetrator and then a second time in the courts if they can even get there. And, and we need to change that. But thank for the question. Okay, um, I'm going to combine three questions here. I'll read <laughs> all. I'll read all three of them out because I think they're the same question asked different ways. Um, Ian Hurdle, I'm worried to have. I'm worried you have not been around for the previous polio epidemic. Faith assembly in most churches has gone online. How do you square this? to protect all of Burton's. And then further on, there's Mark Goodall. You stated that individual freedoms must not do harm to others. How can we prevent not doing harm to others when freedom of assembly spreads the dangerous contagion doing harm to others? And then the last one is Carol Kiyomi. If, you're, if your ideal world Oh, sorry, that's not it. Uh, Marie Fitzpatrick, sorry. Whose rights is more important? The health and safety of the entire population or a church to assemble? So I feel like these three questions really ask the same thing, so I thought I'd read them all out. No, no, excellent. And again, this goes back to the proper role of governance. And I, I really feel that the role of government in all of this is to be gathering all of the best excuse me, all of the best information and then educating and informing people. Number one, the censorship that we have going on and the information is very limited and, and, and it's just wrong. Um, number two is that e even in this pandemic and these, these lockdowns and you say, oh, you can't go and assemble at a church because that's where all the spreading is. But yet, I don't know, maybe you've been uh, locked up for a year and you get your food delivered with Uber or whatever it is. But I, I, I'm just shocked every time when I go to town and you see all the people at Costco, all the people at Walmart, all the people at Home Depot. Um, I, I, I don't know like whether people have lost their, their cognizant understanding of how viruses are transmitted and where it's getting out there. But, but the individual has that right to assess their, their risk realize where we are in this situation and say, wow, I'm a high vulnerable individual. I'm, I'm old. Um, I, I've had a stroke. I, I, I'm overweight. I've got, I'm a diabetic and I have all these things. I, I need to protect myself. I, I believe that an individual is responsible for their health, their wellness and their safety. And, and the law should assist them in that. But because individuals go and gather at, at, a, at a church historically, that isn't a problem and there is no evidence saying that oh this is a hot spot i mean if it's a hot spot absolutely we understand that 
but what you can't impose these draconian rules on the working well on, on those that the, the working the, the the worshiping well and to say that nobody can get together one of the problems that i really feel that we're, we're compounding here and and this isolation to me is a is a deficit on on our social gathering and our individuals the harm that we're doing to our children we we, we knew and the World Health Organization, who I don't have a lot of trust in, even talked way back in May a year ago, April a year ago, that this was not affecting our children. This was affecting seniors. And yet we did this one size fits all and shut down everything, saying that, oh, we got to protect them. We got to protect them. Yet we absolutely failed our seniors and didn't focus the protection on them. And, and again, 80% of people that died um, off the early part were people in senior care facilities and yet you, you you want to focus and say oh it's the problem of people getting together and worshiping at church or, or going to a, a ball game um, no I, I, I'm sorry that that we you, you can't as an individual go to your neighbors and say everybody has to stay in and I don't want to get sick um, and and do that uh, we, we need to be able to take those personal responsibilities. And again, by, by going out and mingling and, and uh, associating with one another, we get that herd immunity. And I have to ask the question, had we not put in these draconian isolation rules and people developed uh, uh, immunity, their innate immunity to uh, COVID, would we be better off today? But now, because we're, we're, we're isolated, it's mutating, um, it's becoming more dangerous, and we haven't developed herd immunity because we want to be dependent on a vaccine. And I, I think that we are actually spiraling into where we're going to have a real pandemic because we're not allowing um, nature to carry on its normal course of how it, it goes through. And again, it always attacks and has the highest impact on those that are compromised. And we're compromising everybody because we're not allowing us to build up that herd immunity. But uh, again, it, it, it's this central government and one size fits all. We need to focus the protection on where there's outbreaks and, and bringing in people and allowing travel from hotspots in the world where now, you know, we have double mutants and other problems going on. I, I, I'm sorry, we're, we're missing the big picture and pointing the finger and the blame at the individual. And, and it's, it's going to be to our demise, in my opinion, and cause more harm than, than, than good. Okay. I hope that answered all three. That one's a... We've got a lot of questions in the queue, so maybe we can try and speed it up I'll a bit. I don't know if that's possible, though. That there, there are some meaty questions here. Um, yes. Do you believe that the world is experiencing a pandemic due to COVID and its vari variants? And do you believe in vaccine based, vaccines based on science? That's by Carol Camille. Well, th thanks, Carol. And, and I, I want to say that, for, first of all, I'm a huge believer. And I, I think one of the biggest changes in the world is when we actually developed antibiotics and, and vaccines. And, and that, that has changed humanity. And vaccines are critical and important, but they need to go through the proper science um, and the proper testing and, and the safety of those and i i don't believe that we've done that with the with the covid vaccines that, that has been rushed and, and again 
even there that the biggest thing to realize is that they're saying that you know that oh these pharmaceutical companies will not be held liable for the products they produce we're giving them you know the authority to do it uh, and not there but a absolutely covid is spread around the world but the question is is let, let's do a, a baseline test um is this the first year that we've ever had uh, influenza? I mean, we had the Spanish flu in 1918 that, that was devastating, but be, because of antibiotics and treatments, um, we, we've had a very healthy world for a long time, but we, we, we can't be dependent and our system and, and our lives do not work to where, oh, we have a new disease out there. Everybody needs to isolate. Well, we let big pharma over the next year or so try and develop a, a vaccine to protect us from that. We, we humanity has been around for a long time. And the reason why we're here is because we have a natural innate immune system that actually can protect the majority of the people. And, and for government to come in and, and say that, oh, oh this, one, this one's hit past the threshold of 7.5% or 3.5% or the deaths are this much and we need to shut down the world. Um, I, I think that that's evil and corrupt and, and there's an agenda on, on why they're doing that. Uh, they, they want this global reset. They want to see countries and individuals and businesses bankrupt so that we can have uh, a larger and more central government to control our lives. And there's nothing good coming out of this. It, it's tragic, the lives that are being lost. But probably what upsets me the most every day when I hear this, they never tally and say the number of suicides. They don't tell us, you know, how many people died uh, in, in car crashes. Why, why are the only deaths that are pertinent to us in our lives today COVID deaths? And again, they don't tell us that, by the way, um, of the five people that died today, four of these individuals were over 80. Uh, three of these individuals had uh, uh, comorbidities. And, and what they're doing is fear-mongering. They're not addressing the issues. They're, they're looking at imposing draconian laws and taking away our freedoms. And I, I just don't believe it's in our best interest. Okay, our next question comes from Leona Jacobs. The criticism you level against the current immigration policy seems more like a criticism on asylum seekers, which is a separate issue. So as a Christian, should we not be given giving asylum to those who seek it? Well, it, it goes back to, are we our brother's keepers? And thanks, Leona, for that question. But where we fail most of these people is protecting them in their own homes, in their own land, where they're at. And that was the purpose of the United Nations, was to not see a government turn on individuals or groups. And, and again, when you go down to the individual, so do we say every individual in Canada and we look at the rest of the world and realize how much we are? We are the 1% here in Canada. Do we open the door and say everybody uh, from this continent or that continent or from this country come here because we, we have more? You need to be able to control immigration. Um, every country has immigration policies and it's just not open doors. And again, if we really cared about these individuals, we'd actually protect their lives and their property and their existence where they are and not saying, oh, we, we realize that there's atrocities going on in your country. Um, we're gonna look the other way in a blind eye. Well, will these, uh, these tragedies happen, but oh, we'll put in a certain number. And to me, it's more virtue singling 
than, than actually answering the, the, the problems of these people and protecting those individuals. And it, it just, like, where do you end it then, Leona? Do we just let the rest of the world come in, however many people, you know, from these countries that are suffering come in? We, we don't have the capacity here any more than you do in your home to say, oh, we should give up our home and let every person who doesn't have one come in there. We have limits and, and we need to be responsible and protect the health of our society. Okay. Um, given uh, our time and the amount of questions in the queue, I'm going to jump to the last two questions that are asked by people who haven't yet asked a question. So um, I'm skipping over those that have already asked questions. Um, the next one is from Denver Florence. Are you surprised that people who have a left of center mindset have resorted to draconian action to force populations into compliance and their only defense of that action is to scream pandemic? <laughs> Uh, well, Denver, uh, well, well, well put. And, and again, I, I want to say those people in power uh, who are wanting more power are the ones who are screaming pandemic. And then we have too many people that, that only hear Main Street media news. And, and they've done an incredible job of creating that panic. Uh, the sky is falling. You know, I, I found it uh, fascinating in, in 2000 when, you know, Y2K uh, fear was there and, and the response of society. Um, you know, we have this idea that this meteorite, what, what year was that meteor supposed to hit Earth? And, and people responded. Uh, the, the world leaders have done an incredible job of, of perpetuating the fear on this. And again, it's real. And that's why it's been so effective, because people do die. But um, yeah, the, 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 the socialist uh, group wants to uh, point the finger of blame at, at different individuals. And, and again, that's why I say that, that that basic question, government should not be able to do anything different than what an individual should do. I, I can't run around and say, you businesses need to shut down because you're dangerous. Your restaurant uh, poses a risk, but oh, by the way, um, uh, this marijuana shop or this liquor store can stay open or whatever else. Uh, government needs to give us the, the best information, not censor it, it should be out there. And then we as individuals need to make those decisions. But Anyways, I, I hope that answered that, Denver, but... Okay, we'll... our last question comes from Bridge City News. There has been a lot of talk on establishing an Alberta pol police force. Why does the party want to implement an Alberta police force compared to having the RCMP? Well, excellent question, uh, Bridge News. And the, the, it, it goes back to local government. Why on earth do we want the federal government telling the what they can and can't do and again I believe in a provincial police force that has elected civilian oversight not the control of the politicians but you need to have that policing from our local people serving our local individuals and the RCMP uh, unfortunately did not do a good enough job in rural Alberta uh, the system is flawed and and again we, we have a, a prime minister who said that you know what guns gun owners and guns are bad i want to take them away they're taking another step forward and if you had local police uh, we, we could be deciding whether or not we're going to follow those things but uh, again the way the system is is those in power uh, push down and we become what you call a police state and whether they confiscate our guns or they take shut down our businesses and say we can't uh, 
do that or if they give us fines because we're not complying and the people aren't there but but the police like the government needs to be local and accountable to local not not to some far off distant uh, power that, that doesn't even respect our, our life or our livelihood or the things that we're doing excellent thanks very much um, for spending time with us today and um, before we end the live stream do you have a take-home message for our viewers <laughs> Well, thank you very much for tuning in. And those are great, great questions. And, and again, go to my website, paulhinman.com. And, and again, we can uh, carry on some of these questions. But the, the real question is, is the status quo good or does it need to go? Um, do we realize that we're in a broken, dysfunctional uh, system here in Canada and it's not going to change? We had the fair deal panel. Uh, our own premier hasn't even respected that. Uh, we have nobody standing up for Alberta, for Albertans, for our way of life, our livelihood, our industries here. The Wild Rose Independence Party is about protecting Albertans, our businesses, our families, our communities, and our industries. And I, I hope that you'll take a step back and ask those questions. Would we join Canada today if we were making that decision? When we see central government, the hundreds of billions of dollars they're spending, what, what's the end result? And, and I say that it's time that we uh, stand up. And like the analogy on the airplane is we need to put our own oxygen mask first before we can help others. In Alberta, we're being asphyxiated when it comes to our lives and our livelihood and the attack from our federal government and provincial government not standing up for us. And so we need to look after our, ourselves and take the proper steps in order to do that. But thanks so much for being here today and look forward to another opportunity of being on SACPA again. Lovely. Thank you for joining us. And folks, next week we have two sessions. Um, we have a session on Monday, Monday, a special session on Monday, April 26th with Dr. Ian Urquhart, uh, Public Consultation and Alberta Politics, What's Going On? And then for our usual Thursday, April 29th at 10 a.m. session, Post-Pandemic Recovery, What Are the Main Issues Facing Alberta? with MLA uh, for Leftbridge East, Nathan Newdorf. Thank you everybody for joining us and we hope to see you next week.